This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! It's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello and welcome to episode number 93 of Brewers on Tap. Lane Grindle with you from Miller Park as the Brewers continuing this homestand after a series against the Cubs this weekend and of course this Cardinal series before heading back out on the road. The Brewers currently sitting at 56 and 52 on the year and still right in the mix in the NL Central. A couple of wins this past week, one against the Chicago Cubs over the weekend and off to a good start in the Cardinals series with a win over St. Louis. Well, of course, the trade deadline has come and gone, at least the non-waiver trade deadline has come and gone. That ended on Monday afternoon, and the Brewers are making one more move. We told you about the Anthony Swarzak move a week ago that the Brewers had made with the Chicago White Sox. Brewers made another deal on Monday by acquiring and really reacquiring right-handed relief pitcher Jeremy Jeffress. He comes to the Brewers, of course, after spending most of the last couple of years with the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers sent him out in the Jonathan Lucroy trade last year to the Texas Rangers for Louis Brinson, Luis Ortiz, and Ryan Cordell. Now they get Jeffress back. They sent Taylor Scott to the Texas Rangers in the process. Kirk Neuenheis has been designated for assignment. Junior Guerra has been optioned. Wei Chung Wong is back on the 25-man roster for the first time since 2014. And Keon Broxton has been brought back up to the big league club as well and started on Tuesday night in center field for the Brewers. Here's what we have coming up for you on episode number 93. We're going to let you listen in on the Hall of Fame induction speech of Commissioner Bud Selig, former Brewers owner, and we're also going to talk with new Brewer Anthony Swarzak. You're going to hear from him about being a late-inning leverage guy now with this Brewers team in the middle of a playoff chase. That's all coming up. Let's jump right into it and let's break it down with Alan H. Selig. Let's break it down. Thank you, Jane, Jeff. I also want to take this opportunity to thank Whitney and John and everybody else in the Hall of Fame staff. You have been remarkable. The Hall of Fame is the soul of baseball and reaffirms its beauty and timelessness. Thanks to your vision, your leadership, and your ability to tell our stories in exhibits and words, the Hall of Fame is a baseball treasure. Congratulations to you, Tim, Pudge, and Jeff. You've earned your place amongst the legends of the game, and I'm proud to be part of your class and forever connected with you. And congratulations to my friend John Sherholz. We've known one another for half a century, and there's no one I or anyone in baseball hold 
and higher esteem. As countless people have said in the past few months, you've set the standard we all strive to achieve. From a personal standpoint, I will be forever indebted to you for all the assignments you accepted over the years. You have poured your heart into them. Your integrity and your intelligence have riched baseball for these past 50 years. To Commissioner Rob Manfred, my friend, my associate, for these past 27 years, I thank you. I thank you for your wise counsel and for the great work that you did to help baseball reach the heights it enjoys today. As Commissioner these past two and a half years, your vision to grow the game, engage more young people, extend the reach of our sport around the world will lead our great game to new heights. And finally, to these Hall of Famers, I am honored to be in your presence. On your shoulders, this game became part of the fabric of our country, and we are forever indebted to you. For so many years, I sat right behind where I stand now and watched as each new member would stand here and deliver remarks with a kind of emotion that comes with great happiness and fulfillment. Now as I stand here at this moment, I am humbled. I am deeply honored to receive baseball's highest honor. I stand here amongst many friends, including the great Henry Aaron, my friend of 59 years, and I must say, one of the best, most decent and dignified people that I have ever known. I had become friends with Henry Aaron and other members of the Milwaukee Braves in the late 1950s. I remember once when the team was leaving on a road trip, first baseman Frank Torrey asked if I'd keep an eye on his little brother while he was gone. Yes, that's when I met Joe Torrey. We have been friends ever since. Joe, you turned out okay, and he'd be proud. To see my guys here, Robin Yount, Raleigh Fingers, and of course Paul Molitor, who would be here but is managing the Twins, brings back countless members. Robin, Raleigh, and Molly represented the Brewers in so many ways. Robin, of course, spending his whole career with the Brewers. You three were more than just players to me in the city of Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin. You are forever etched in the minds of Brewer fans. And I must say, you are forever etched in the journey of my life. In many ways, baseball has been my life. I got into baseball 53 years ago for the simplest reason of all. I wanted to bring Major League Baseball back to my hometown. I made it my mission, my quest, and I devoted five long years in a relentless effort. We would try and we would fail. We would try and we would fail. And we would try and we would fail. But we never quit. And that day when the Brewers arrived, March 31st, 1970, will forever be one of the proudest days of my life. I was able to do something I loved every day with great passion. I loved the baseball life. I loved living and dying with each game. I loved watching players come in as nervous rookies and grow and mature to become winners in all sorts of ways and to take their place on this stage. I loved getting to know everybody, the field managers, ticket managers, players, scouts, sports writers, and of course the fans. 
And by the way, I love that the Brewers flourish today under the great car care of Mark Antanasio. The Brewers and their fans throughout Milwaukee and Wisconsin are in very, very good hands. I not only learned every aspect of the operation of a club, I learned about the myriad issues confronting the game. In September of 1992, after 23 years of running the Brewers, I was asked to become chairman of Major League Baseball's executive council, in effect to be the interim or acting commissioner, yet I saw it only as a temporary assignment. I was sure it would last only two to four months. Baseball's issues in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s were troubling. We were a game divided. Everywhere you turned, there was rancor and adversity. Big markets versus small markets, American League owners versus National League owners, worst of all, owners versus players. We were a game truly stuck in neutral. Success came from working together. The unprecedented success we've achieved over these past 25 years has come from ending the divide, from building harmony, from working as one for the good of the game. The role of the commissioner has dramatically changed from its early days. You have to build consensus. You have to persuade people to do what is good for the game. Baseball is an institution that has been in our culture like few others. Because of this fact, baseball has been historically resistant to change. We needed a new economic system. Baseball's economics have not changed since the 1930s, but the forces operating within this system had been transformed. The perpetual reserve rule was replaced by arbitration and later free agency. The advent of cable injected new revenue into the game and increased disparity. The economic system from the 1930s could not handle these changes, and it became an anachronism. We needed to restore hope and faith to fans of every team not just the ones who played in the largest cities. We went through a terribly painful period to institute a new economic system. The 1994 strike was the most painful experience of my life. I began to experience what Harry Truman meant when he said, the buck stops here. I experienced that during the strike. I experienced it again later when it became apparent that the player's use of a performance-enhancing substances was undermining the integrity of the game. I can tell you that having the buck stop at your desk is not necessarily a good feeling, but it is a responsibility that comes with positions of leadership. Ultimately, we did bring about economic reformation, and it has benefited the players, the clubs, and the fans. Working together, we created substantial revenue sharing amongst the clubs taxes designed to reduce payroll disparity, and debt rules designed to promote financial stability. As a result, every single major league team has played October baseball since 2001, and hope and faith have been restored. We desperately needed a drug testing program, and we had to work together to get it done. While the process was more difficult and time-consuming than I would have liked, in the end, Baseball and the Players Association developed a program that is the gold standard for sports and business alike. We needed labor peace, and we have made agreements that ensure at least 27 years of labor peace through 2021. I don't know that any of us could have foreseen such harmony after the decades of anger and discord 
that preceded these. I cannot leave the topic of labor without saying a word about a special individual, Michael Weiner. Michael was a man of principle, a man of intellect, and a man of vision. The progress we made in labor would not have been possible without him, and his death was certainly way too premature. I've long been inspired by the words of George Bernard Shaw, who wrote, you see things and you say, why? But I dream things that never were, and I say, why not? And by working together, working in harmony, we were able to grow the game with more innovations than we ever had. We are at the forefront of the technological revolution creating Major League Baseball Advanced Media, or BAM for short. It's one of the greatest stories in American business. It has dramatically improved the way our fans all over the world can enjoy baseball. These have been wonderful innovations for our fans. They would not have been possible without the leadership of Bob Bowman at BAM and Tony Petiti at the MLB Network. Nor could any of these accomplishments have taken place without the brilliant work, ideas, and trust of people in our office like Pat Courtney, Dan Hallam, Bob Starkey, and all of the dedicated people in the offices of Major League Baseball. I owe so much to so many friends many of whom are here today, many owners and executives that have made great contributions to so many areas of our game and who are responsible for the success that we have had. I wish I could name you all, but you know how much your presence here today means to me. And again, I, I want to say I really wish I could name all of you who are here, and there are a lot of them, but I deeply appreciate it. I want to thank some people who are no longer with us. The late Detroit Tiger owner John Fetzer was a mentor. He taught me early on that if you do what's in the best interest of the game, no matter how painful, no matter how unpopular at the time, all related parties will benefit, and the game will as well. It has been a key to our game's success. I also dearly loved Carl Poland, owner of the Minnesota Twins. And yes, as I stand here today, I miss George Steinbrenner. We never agreed on anything in 40 years, but we remained great friends through the entire time. And I must say, he was incredibly cooperative during my tenure as commissioner. I also miss one of the dearest friends I ever had in baseball, the late Bart Giamatti. He had so much wisdom and passion for the game. He so often said that baseball is a metaphor for life, and that is true. It is also true that baseball is a social institution with social responsibility and is in that area where I'm most proud of the role baseball has played. At the beginning of World War II, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt urged, urged Commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis to keep playing baseball. He said Americans would be working harder and longer than ever before and that baseball would provide respite from the daily news of war. In that same way, I'm proud of the role baseball played in our nation's recovery from the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. Our players did magnificent work in assisting recovery efforts and providing the families of victims with whatever measure of comfort they could. We did something beautifully American. We played baseball. We steered the conversation at least for a couple hours a day to games, pennant races, and an unforgettable World Series, 
with our nation's leader, the President of the United States, standing proudly and courageously on the mound in Yankee Stadium. The World Series was a great American spectacle that had as much positive sociological influence as anything I've seen in my lifetime. Baseball, in its small way, helped this country heal. 2001 was a reaffirmation that baseball is a social institution with social responsibility. The social responsibility is why we now honor Jackie Robinson every April 15th, why we retired his jersey, number 42, in perpetuity. His breaking of baseball's color line did not change the sport. It changed our country. April 15, 1947 remains the single most important day in baseball history. Jackie will live in our hearts forever. And Rachel and Sharon and David Robinson have carried Jackie's torch for the last half century. Their contributions through the Jackie Robinson Foundation have opened doors for hundreds of young people to attend college, as you heard yesterday from Rachel. In an effort to continue Jackie's legacy, baseball has created programs like the Diverse Business Partners Program, which has funneled tens of millions of dollars to minority and women-owned businesses. We've embraced the responsibility of playing, providing playing opportunities to diverse populations in underserved areas through reviving baseball in the inner cities and MLB academies that we continue to open around the country. The MLB academies are a special point of pride. They not only provide great baseball instruction, but they also have tutoring and mentorship programs and make sure young people understand there are many careers in baseball. We prepare them for front office positions, broadcasting jobs, opportunities in every area from scouting to groundbreaking. We created the Seelig Rule to diversify our game on the field in the front office, and I was proud when other sports followed. I wanted to thank also Frank Robinson for the key role he has played in this and many other areas. He did remarkable work. It is essential that everyone in our country and everyone in the world have the opportunity to discover the joys of baseball. Our sociological impact has transcended our sport. We partnered with the Entertainment Industry Foundation to create Stand Up to Cancer. We created our Welcome Back Veterans Program, and we have enjoyed a great relationship with Habitat for Humanity and many other philanthropies. The impact of baseball on our society from Jackie Robinson to the major leagues come from no less than 16 other countries today, has been, has been a remarkable, absolute achievement. And we are very, very proud of that. Um, today, uh, I am enjoying a new chapter in my life. I've always dreamed of being a history professor. And after this long and wonderful detour in baseball, my dreams have come true. I now teach the history of baseball in American society since World War II. Yet I never dreamed that I would play such a role in the history that I teach. I teach at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, my alma mater, as well as Marquette Law School and Arizona State University. The students are wonderful, smart, curious. They infuse me with energy. And then at night, I still find myself in front of a television set watching every baseball I can. 
It really has been a remarkable journey. One day a few years ago, Henry Aaron and I were walking back to our hotel in Washington, D.C. And he said to me, who could have imagined when we met back in 1958 that one day I'd break Babe Ruth's record and you'd be the commissioner of baseball? Yes, this really is an overwhelming day in every way. I will be forever grateful to my wife, Sue, for joining me on this journey for the past 40 years. She has been an extraordinary partner and helpful in every way. And to my daughters, Sari, Wendy, and Lisa, along with those five granddaughters, and my new great-grandson, are a constant source of love and joy. I was blessed to have extraordinary parents. It was my mother, Marie, who nurtured my love of baseball. A passionate fan, she took me to games in Milwaukee, Chicago, New York, and Boston. It was a great way to grow up. My father, Benjamin, loved baseball as well. He taught me so much about business, about values, and about always trying to do the right thing. If they were here today, I know they'd be proud of this journey. As a kid, I read the newspapers, studied box scores, memorized statistics, dreamed the dreams that little boys dreamed. And on my last night as commissioner, I gave a speech at the New York Baseball Writers' Dinner. And I said, this really off the top of my head at the end, what you've seen here today are a little boy's dreams that came true. Thank you for this magnificent honor. Now for the Clubhouse Conversation. You gain a lot of confidence when you come up and you have success quite quickly. Um, so it, it's, it gives you the mindset of, I belong here and I can do it as long as I'm doing the things that I should be doing before and after starts. The, the last couple of days I've been coming out of, of the bench and the A inning and, 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 you know, get, get it just one at bat and just don't, don't try to too much, just put a good at bat. Um, whenever I hunch over, the, the top of my helmet will look into a first base dugout and it's hard to hit like that. And um, that's pretty much the only thing he's really, he's really noticed that I need to work on is stand tall in my upper body. And we're joined by one of the newest members of the Brewers in right-handed reliever Anthony Swarzak. Make your Brewers debut last night. Uh, what were the emotions like as you came out and took the mound for the first time? Um, it was a, a pretty hectic experience, you know. Um, it what didn't go as smoothly as I would have liked, but you know the fans were great. The place was loud. Atmosphere was just electric, and um, you know it's 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 exciting to see that, and uh, I'm excited to see what else uh, we have around the corner. Kind of unique too, because your last appearance with the White Sox was against the Cubs, so you're seeing him again in your first appearance with the Brewers. Does that make it any more challenging? Yeah, it made it a little more challenging. You know, you don't want to um, try to do stuff you're not comfortable with or try to outthink the hitter, but um, you know. Their lineup can be real potent at times, so you want to try to um, to uh, you know stick to your strengths and, and and not miss over the plate. And unfortunately, last night I missed over the plate a few times, but um, we got through it, and the team got a win, and that's the most important thing. Big part of your role after you give up the home runs, be able to put that behind you and get the next couple of outs and keep the lead, and you were able to do that. What you know, what do you credit that to? Being able to to move on from something like that. I credit the defense. I mean, you know, we had a great play down the line there. Uh, you know, catching that fly ball in foul territory, and um, you know, after that, it was just kind of uh, 
make pitches and, and see what could happen. Um, it's a tight ball game, so you don't want to uh, make too many mistakes out there. And, you know, when you do make a mistake, you got to rely on your defense to pick you up, and they picked me up last night. What did you say to Travis Shaw when the inning was over? I told him that was an incredible play. It, it really was. It was incredible. Uh, he picked me up. He really did. What's been your impression now? You've been around this club for a couple of days and getting settled in. What, what, what has been your impression of this baseball team and, and the clubhouse and the environment? Everybody's friends, you know. Everybody gets along. Um, everybody's pulling for each other, and I know that's kind of a cliche, cliche thing to say, but it really happens here. Um, feels like a family, and um, they've been they've been very, uh, how do I say, uh, welcoming, and uh, I feel pretty comfortable as of now. So um, we'll see what happens. Is it a challenge when you make the move over, working with new catchers, and, and do you spend some extra time with Pena and Bandy to get on the same page? Yeah, I think that um, you know you got to spend a little time talking about this and that, but uh, you can't substitute game situation. You know, you, you you can't practice that. It just is what it is. So, the more we get in games together and work together, I think the more everybody's going to be on the same page. I mean, I only throw two pitches, so it won't be too difficult. We talked with Craig Council a little earlier on the pregame show, and we were discussing your MLB debut and Craig Council being a part of that. Have you guys had a chance to talk about it? He, he mentioned that you might have talked a little bit about it last night after the game. Yeah, we talked about it briefly after the game, and uh, it's pretty ironic, you know. Um, it kind of goes full circle, and uh, um, the Brewers have always had a special place in my heart just from that game, you know, your first start in the big leagues. And, um, you know, it went well for me, and, and now here I am almost uh, – you know, oh man, almost eight, nine years later. So, getting a chance to be a, a late inning guy, you know, and you're having your best year of your career this year. Um, was there a point three or four years ago where you weren't sure if you were going to be able to be a high leverage guy, get that kind of an opportunity in a playoff run, nonetheless? Um, I always knew that I had it in me. I never doubted myself, but um, you know, you get to a certain point where you just don't know if the opportunity is going to yeah. going to be there for you. Um, I wasn't sure about that, but I knew that I was going to continue to work hard and continue to take the ball every day and um, do the best I could in the moment, and now here we are. I'm sure you know you have a lot of friends over in that White Sox clubhouse that you left behind when the trade was made, but nice to be a part of a playoff run at the same time. Oh, I'm, I'm um, nothing but happy. You know, I, um, I cherish my days with the White Sox. Uh, I have a lot of good memories there, um, but, you know, Life goes on, and you got to turn the page and um, you know move toward the, the goal that we all play this game for, and that's to win a World Series, and, and I want to do that here in Milwaukee. Anthony, we appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Checking in on the farm. As we go down to the farm, we begin in AAA, where Colorado Springs 64 and 42 through Monday's games after a win at Las Vegas on Sunday. Taylor Youngman continues to pitch well. He went five innings, seven hits, and three earned runs, picking up yet another win uh, in the contest. And the Sky Sox getting some really good play right now from Mauricio Dubon, who has been playing outstanding especially at the plate he's collected multiple hits in 10 of his last 15 games batting 357 with 13 runs seven doubles three home runs and 13 rbi four stolen bases as well in that span in the month of july dubon's 31 hits ranked second in the brewers system 
Sky Sox playing very good baseball right now. Brett Phillips has gone back down, and he went three for four on Sunday with three runs scored and a double. Double A Biloxi is 16 and 21 in the second half. They went 36 and 33, of course, in the first half of a Southern League play. They got a win on Sunday over Jacksonville by a score of 3-2. to two. Troy Stokes Jr. has been promoted from Class A Advanced Carolina and uh, right away went to work with a double in Sunday's contest for the Shuckers. The Shuckers getting very good pitching performances. Aaron Wilkerson has been tremendous. He was, of course, uh, a week ago the Southern League Pitcher of the Week. They've gotten good performances out of John Perrin on the mound. Luis Ortiz has been pitching very well for them also. And of course, Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta, two of the Brewers' better pitching prospects on the mound, have all performed very well so far uh, over the last couple of weeks. In Class A Advanced Carolina, the Mudcats sitting at 19-19 and 19 in the second half. Monte Harrison has been on fire. Tied a season high with three hits on Sunday, including a double and then a couple of home runs. The 17th and 18th of the season, those came on Monday night for Monte Harrison. Class A, Wisconsin, the Timber Rattlers, 17-20 in the second half. They have been playing very good baseball recently, and in large part due to Keston Hura, the 2017 first-round draft pick of the Brewers, has been absolutely on fire. He has reached base safely in all 26 games as a professional through Monday's action, batting 423, 25 runs, 8 doubles, 7 triples, 4 home runs, 25 driven in. Since joining the Timber Rattlers, Hira has hit safely in all 12 contests, going 20-49, 7 runs, 5 doubles, 2 triples, and 7 RBI. And the Timber Rattlers, one of the younger teams in the Midwest League, playing very good baseball right now. The Helena Brewers in the Pioneer League are on their All-Star break currently. And uh, three players have been named to that All-Star team. Right-handed pitcher Nelson Hernandez, infielder Dallas Carroll, and right-handed pitcher Parker Bean, all named to the Pioneer League All-Star game. The Helena Brewers finished the first half at 15 and 23, and they are actually 1-0 in the second half, one game already into the second half, even though now they're in their All-Star break. And in the Arizona League, the Arizona League Brewers, 19-8 and in the first half. They clinched the Central Division first half championship. They're now 20-9 and overall, and Tristan Lutz has been very good. He was, of course, 34th overall pick this past year in the draft, and he's batting 295, 12 runs, four doubles, three triples, three home runs, and 11 RBIs for Tristan Lutz. All right, that's looking down on the farm. Let's see what's coming up. Here's what's on tap. Well, the Brewers are back in town next week for a big seven-game homestand at Miller Park featuring rivalry matchups against the Minnesota Twins, the Reds, and then, of course, the Pirates. Brewers and Twins series, it's that annual border battle between interleague rivals. Starts Wednesday, August 9th, 7-10. Thursday, August 10th at 7-10 as well. It's a cooler backpack night on Thursday the 10th. First 10,000 fans receive a Brewers cooler backpack. And the Bearded Brewer IPA is on tap as well. Official tapping of the special craft beer created by Eric Thames, Corey Knable, and Oliver Gray. Special ticket package includes Bearded Brewer sample plus commemorative pint glass as well. So a lot of stuff going on those first couple of games of that homestand. And then, of course, the Red Series, Friday the 11th. It's free shirt Friday. First 20,000 fans receive a Brew Crew performance t-shirt. Saturday the 12th, that's Negro League's tribute game. Brewers will wear special Milwaukee Bears uniforms. Special ticket packages include high-top socks 
and Sunday the 13th. That's going to be a big one. It's a 110 Bob Euchre 8 Ball. All fans receive a Bob Euchre 8 Ball, a one of a kind fortune telling device featuring a variety of Eucharisms as the answers. And then, of course, finishing up that series, uh, or that homestand rather, with the Pirates series. Tuesday the 15th and Wednesday the 16th. A couple of games against the Pirates. Kids and seniors discount down Wednesday the 16th. That game at 110 p.m. Kids 14 and under, seniors 60 and above. Save 50% on tickets. Call 414-902-4000 or visit Brewers.com for tickets. Okay, that's going to do it for us in this week's edition. Episode number 93 of Brewers on Tap is in the books. We'll talk to you again next week from the road. Join us then. I'm Lane Grindle. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.